I'm Brooklyn all day. I'm Cowboys all day. And I've just been riding ever since. Known for starring in movies like Love and Basketball and Juice and TV dramas like ER and House, Omar Epps got his start playing a series of roles as young athletes, including a football star in the program and a baseball player in Major League Two. As a kid, Omar played Pop Warner football and then got into martial arts. He's been a diehard fan of the Dallas Cowboys ever since his childhood years in Brooklyn. Most recently, F stars in the feature drama, The Devil You Know. It's about a man trying to put a dark past behind him with the help of his family. After a few underachieving years, the Cowboys went 12 and five in the 2021 season, only to lose the wildcard game to the 49ers. Are things looking up for Omar's team? He'll stick to the devil he knows. I'm LaChina Robinson. Those sweet, funky sounds you hear are the Budos Band. And this is Huge Fan, the podcast where stars talk sports. Now, please welcome Omar Epps, Dallas Cowboys Huge Fan. Thank you so much for uh, joining us for a huge fan podcast. This is an honor for me to be speaking with you. Now, I'm not going to lie. I definitely wish this conversation was starting around love and basketball, you know, then moving around to higher learning, but that's okay. You know, we are going to talk about the Cowboys, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm a, I'm a huge fan Ooh. of your work. Which, which angle? Well, thank you. First of all, thank you. And but which angle are you coming with with the Cowboys? You know that I take that personal. Oh, we're we going back. Like we're covering Cowboys from all angles. Like how this fandom started for you. Like what's going on with the Cowboys <laughs> now. So uh, let's start there. Is it really obviously jumped out at me that you're from Brooklyn, but you're a Dallas Cowboys fan? So how does that work? Yeah, I'm Brooklyn all day. Uh, when I was a kid, Tony Dorsett, who used to be a running back for the Cowboys, that was my favorite player. Like I was just a kid. Right. And that was just my favorite player in the NFL. And so I've been, and then one of my cousins was a Steelers fan. So we used to get into fights, literally, um, <laughs> you know, literally fist fights over our fandom. And I just been riding ever since. And it's been a pleasure to get to know, uh, the Jones family um they're, they're very uh gracious and everything like that and there's a lot of things behind the scenes that people are not aware about that you know like you know jerry jones and his family they're really good people you know and um and so it did it, it made my fandom increase more and i'm cowboys all day to the wheels fall off <laughs> so not very many people are going to be able to say they met jerry jones and his family um you know and, and some people are critical of jerry jones because he's a very um, front and centered owner, right? Some ownership groups, they're up in the booth. You know, you may never see them, don't know what they look like. How do you feel about just his style of, of leadership and maybe something you learned from meeting him and his family? Well, Jerry Jones, I mean, his style is his style. He's been that way since he came in the league. I mean, this is a dude who won two Super Bowls and then fired the coach. Like, who does that? You know, but behind the scenes, as I said before, it's a very family-oriented uh, environment. Um, yeah. There are a lot of ex-players, um, the staff, you know, there's a lot of people that have been there for a long time. And Jerry takes pride in that. Um, and, and people don't see that side of him, you know. Um, yeah, we, I mean, it's like any other human being. We're going to uh, disagree on certain issues or whatever the case may be. 
But, yo, it's the man's money. He can spend it like he wants. So can't say nothing about that. I can only go off of my experience and what I've actually seen. And it, it's just a really familial environment. Um, you know, it, it's just so many ex-players and he really cares. Um, you know, and but, you know, we got to get this next chip, though. Well, before we get into you being the GM of the team, um, I want to go back to your early days <laughs> in football. Um, you played Pop Warner growing up, right? And I know you were yeah, a big fan yeah, of yeah. Tony Dorsett. The Skyhawks. Okay, go Skyhawks. But what position did you play? Like, where was your place on the field? Well, first I was uh, a tailback, and then I, they were like, you're better at cornerback. But I wanted to play quarterback, and I got the opportunity to do that. I mean, we won some games. I, I made the papers. I made the, the, uh, the Daily News in New York um, a couple times, and um, I thought I was going to the NFL. And then I got hit real hard one time, and I was like, I can act like a football player. <laughs> I don't think I want to be one. <laughs> Took one hit. That was it. So you was like, uh, y'all can have this. We didn't have the sports science that we have now and stuff like that. But it was that one, the, 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 what did he call it? The straw that broke the camel's back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that hit was not nice. And it was in the same game that my boy, he broke his leg. He got hit on a kickoff return. Broke His whole, his his knee was upside down. And I was like, damn, I got mad. And then I go out there and they damn near knock my lights out. And I was like, I was seeing stars on the sidelines. But I'm a kid. We're in Pop Warner. I'm like 12. And I was just like, I don't know if this is for me. Yeah, listen, I mean. (laughs) But, you know, I'm such a rabbit fan of the game. But what we're hearing now, you know, is that, you know, a hit can be, I mean, football can be a bit of a dangerous sport. So bowing out, in my opinion, is – you know, I don't know if, you know, you would be okay with, um, do you have a son? My son surfs. Oh. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's the sport he took to. I tried to put him in t-ball, you know, the baseball thing. I tried to put him in basketball. I tried to put him in football, boxing, and, and martial arts. That's my thing. And then put him in surf camp, and the dude is out there like a pro. And I'm like, all right, that's his jam. What are you going to do about it? You know? Listen, go so, where the love is. And li- you, didn't, you must not have pulled out that Skyhawks jersey for him. You needed to hold on to that so he can put that on and feel dad's vibes. That's how they that's how they catch I, on to it. No, nah, I tried. <laughs> I tried. He's, he's not really into the contact thing. That's more my thing. I'm more rough and rugged concrete jungle. That's where I come from. So I'm just more used to contact, physical thing. And my son's like, nah, dude, I'm going to surf this wave. It's just you know it's gnarly i'm oh. like what hey i'm here for <laughs> but it i i embrace it you know this generation that makes is- them happy then i'm happy yeah i'm telling you like when it comes to sport it's really all about what makes you like go like what excites you i remember uh playing basketball when i was in like the sixth grade for the first time and basketball was like the thing on my dad's side of the family and i'm tall like right i'm six four you can't tell some sitting down but like i was okay. the tallest probably sixth grader at the time, and um, I didn't love it, you know? I was like, let me, I think I wanna be a cheerleader. You know, I wanna be around my friends, and I wanna wear a cute little skirt, and I did that for a minute. And then when I was a teenager, you know, found out I could get a college scholarship, and I was like, you know what? I think basketball is where I'm headed. Like, that was the game changer for me, but, you know, kids, they ride the wave, you know, literally. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing because sports, the one thing about sports, or any discipline, it's the, it's the discipline, you know? You learn how to communicate with people, how to work with people, um, 
you know, you learn how to strategize as a unit um, because, and that's the one thing, well, what I took the boxing was that it's just you. Like, but there still is a team though, you know, but once you get in that square circle, it's just you, all the talk is out the window, you know, and that's just more of my personality. But I took the team sports as well because it's amazing to like be in a locker room and you know this person's actually scared or you know this person's, you know, they're jacked up, they're ready to go. And it's like, but how are we going to do this together? Because that's the only way you win. And it's kind of like a metaphor for life. Like it's, it, it always comes back to team, family, that sort of um, um, uh, message. So it's just, I think it's incredible. Um, and especially, you know, for women's sports now, I think it's incredible. It, and I think it's, it's, it's justified. Like, you know, it, it, you know, I want the WNBA to be bigger. Yes. You know, now these conversations are going on about, um, pay quality and things of that nature and i'm like yeah you know but how do how do we make that happen where's the sponsorship where are the tv contracts where are the all of the things that come along with the nba you know and there's no disrespect to either but it's just like how do we progress forward right yeah. and um and that's what that's that's what i'm about like how do we evolve as as a species literally <laughs> Omar, did you Google me before you came on this podcast? Because you just said four letters, WNBA, that are my world. So I'm like, is this just authentic? Or did you did you know this about me before you came on the podcast? I did not know this about you. I didn't know you were 6'4", <laughs> which means that would be a whole, I'm, I'm going to have to Dennis Robin you on the way in. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Try it. No post-up you know happening over here. Because you could take it. I can, and you will. No, but it, oh wow! Now I'm gonna pop it from the outside. Then, I, but I got two daughters. You know, I have two daughters. I come from a women, a a, a a family that's mostly women. So I've always kind of had this perspective of you know where's the equality. Mm-hmm. Everyone has the right to believe what they may, but we we live in a capitalistic society. So what what should be is what it is, right? Yeah. And so to me, the, the onus on the WNBA is how do you make it sexy? How do you make it flat? It's like, you know, they're just sort of, it seems to me, I could be wrong, but like they're just sort of happy being at the table. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, take your seat at the table, you know, because you're influencing. It's You're not just influencing young girls, you're influencing young boys at this point. Like, yes. oh, this, what, like, what do oh, strong they, women you know, look and, like? And, yes. Yes. Right. And how do you make view. it? How do you make that look and talk to this younger generation so that it's not a like, you know, I could be wrong, but it's like when you talk about the NFL, I think that's a different thing because it's just such a, a physical, violent mm-hmm. sport. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't know about that. I don't have the answer to that. But when it comes to the NBA, it's just like, come on, yo. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've played with many men in your day yeah. and you can hang. Or you might be better, you know? Well, so that, that's what I'm saying. I'm using that word intentionally. Like, how do you make that a sexy look, you know, so that people want to come? I've gone to WNBA games and I'm like, yo, this is exciting. Or, you know, if it's boring, it's boring. It doesn't, you know, really matter. Everybody's still going to have their own box or their opinion of what they like. But I think, you know, so many of, of you the women are, are, I mean, they're achieve, achieving amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, and it needs to be recognized more. 
Yeah, I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir for sure. I cover the WNBA. That's what I do for my full-time job. And um, you have a unique lens because even going back to your storyline in loving basketball, you understood that women play overseas because there wasn't a professional league here, right? So we've come a little bit of ways right. from there. They Changes. need me and you in the boardroom. Okay, okay. But right. if you ever are in Atlanta, right. I do the dream games. I, I work for the WBA. We would love to have you as a guest because your voice would be oh, I'm coming through. huge for this for this league. So I appreciate that. Next time I'm down there, I'm, I'm coming through. This is game day. So let's change gears to game day. We're back on the Cowboys. What is football Sunday like in the Epps house? Um, that's funny. It de- it depends. You know, it depends on the mood that I'm in. Um, it depends on how early the game is. But usually uh, my kids are now, they know, don't talk to me until <laughs> after the game. Like, I don't, I'm off daddy duty today. And, um, and if we lose, it's not going to be a good night. Uh, right. <laughs> and and my mother-in-law is a rabbit football fan, but she's a Giants fan. So it's kind of mm. like war every Sunday. And we're in the same division. And people, you know, she's a little bit older and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, man, you, you know, I'll be on the phone with my friends. And they're like, man, you talking crazy to her. And I'm like, did you hear what she said to me? But then when my friends are over and they see her, they're like, oh, I get it now. Like, no holes barred. Like, she just goes she's just a Giants fan and I'm like I don't know how this happened like you know (laughs) but we have fun with it and uh, we prank each other like if you know if her team loses I'll do something to her car or something draw something on it if Cowboys lose she'll do the same and we just have fun with it (laughs) yeah well listen we had Tracy Morgan on so you cannot tell him about his Giants he's crazy about them got the superstitions the Giants suck yo Oh, here you go. We're winning the division this year. <laughs> Period. Talking all the trash. What has to happen, though, for you to, to win the division? What has to happen for the Cowboys to get back to the glory days? Well, that's a – well, yeah, that's a great – it's the defense. That's what it is. We got the – oh, we got the offense. Yeah. You know, we got the weapons. I mean, I know they you know they made some moves with uh, Amari Cooper and so forth, but we've got the receivers. we got the running backs. we got the quarterback. It's the defense. That's what's going to win the chip. And that's what always wins chips, right? Like even in the NBA or even in hockey or whatever, you know, it's always, it comes down to how do you defend? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just looking forward to this season. And it's, it's going to be a really interesting season. Me and one of my best friends were talking about this yesterday because he's a Washington commander um, fan. And I was like, I was like, dog, that name is terrible. Y'all should have just stayed the Washington football team. It sounds more official, more, you know. In the division, we should clean. If we don't win the division, I'm going to be so mad. Um, but we should win the division. But actually going forward and winning the chip, it, should, it just comes down to the defense, you know. Yeah. We got to be able to stop people. And as a competitor, you got to win the games you're supposed to win decisively. Yes. You can't play to the level of your competition. And that's what we've been doing for so many years. You know, if we come in and we play a team that's lackluster, we play lackluster. Yeah. No, you come in there and you do the Belichick and you win 60 to zip, like you dominate them because that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah. And so we just, I think that we have the right group of talent where these kids are. They're, they're young, they're hungry. 
basically everybody got paid now. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. no excuse. Like, now go out there and do what you love to do. The Cowboys are the most valuable NFL franchise. You know, they're called the American. Say it again. Oh, my goodness. What? I need Say to repeat again. that. Who's your squad, by the way? You know what? I love the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and I'll be oh. honest with you. Mm. I am I am a little bit more recent. Like, I'm a huge fan of Lamar. But I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. Like, I'm Lamar's from the DMV. Lamar is a beast. So the next closest team for me from the D.C. area is the Commanders. The That's true. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I'm a former <laughs> basketball player, so I'm, I'm new to the football world as far as fandom is concerned. But I have always known, obviously, about the Dallas Cowboys. And that's one thing I'm curious about. Like, so you had the story of Tony Dorsett. You've met Jerry Jones. Like, that's your story coming to the Cowboys. Why does everyone love this team, in your opinion? Well, in my opinion, yes, that's, like that's the genius of that's the genius of of Jerry Jones. He's a marketing maverick. I mean, he, he always goes against the grain. You know, when the league was saying, "Hey, everybody has to make a deal with this company or this shoe company, this drink company," he goes in the other direction. I mean, even when you look at the new stadiums that are being built now, Cowboy Stadium was the first one. You know, we got to have big screens every and, and if you. Ever, I don't know if you've been there before, but if, if you go, it's an experience. It's a whole deal. And, you know, money is being spent all along the way, you know. And that's just, like that's I say, that's the genius of Jerry Jones. And it's just, it's, it's undeniable. And, um, but again, for me, from a fan perspective, having been through our glory years in the 90s, you know, that's when I was in my 20s and, I'm going to live forever and all of this. And now I get to this point, you know, yeah. in my forties, like, Hmm, uh, we haven't won in a long time. Like, you know, um, yeah. Last title was in 1995. Is, just to put that out there. Sorry. I mean, you didn't have to say that. <laughs> you don't have to say that out loud. You know, I get where you're coming from, but Hey, we're going to get there. You know, the, the, the pieces are in place. We've got a great team, great young talent. And it's just about putting it together. So let's talk about your new movie, The Devil You Know, in theaters now. Give me the scoop. Like, yeah. what drew you into this movie? You were executive producer. I mean, that journey from yeah. actor to behind the camera. Um, what does excite you about this movie? Oh, The Devil You Know. This is a, a, a beautiful piece to me, and I'm really excited to share it with people. Um, the feedback so far has been amazing. Um, it's a story about family. It's a story about brotherhood, um, redemption. It's a story about morality. And it's told intentionally, intentionally through the lens of Blackness, our experience, right? And so basically my character, who's a fractured human being, when, when the audience first meets him, finds out that one of his brothers uh, might have had something to do with a really horrible crime. And then it's what is what does he do with that information, right? And it really is a story for everybody because I don't care where you come from, what, what your ethnicity is. We all know what it's like to sit around the table, you know, grandma's cooking this, uncle such and such is playing cards, cousin such and such just broke open a bottle of this so we know there's going to be an argument or a fight in about a half hour. You know, we all know that communal experience, and but it's what do you do when you're in this situation. And so that's the story that sort of unravels for the audience. And for you being acting in acting in this and being executive producer, like how was it juggling both? 
it wasn't a juggle for me, to be honest with you, because to, for me, it's just a progression. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been producing, I've been writing, I'm going to direct. Like, it's all the evolution of a career. Uh, this is what I love to do. And for me, the specific thing about, I mean, this was an eight-year journey uh, for myself and Charles Murray, who wrote and directed the film. You know, it took us eight years to get the film made. So I've been living with this story that long. And so in terms of the quote unquote executive producer, like the title doesn't mean anything. It's like, what are you doing? So my my thing was about, you know, m trying to make everyone comfortable, mm -hmm. you know, with cast and crew, you know, on the executive side, trying to, you know, with what I know, let's try to make this type of deal. That's all like the semantics of it. But it's creating experience. You know, this is a type of film where, people are like yelling at the screen you know when they leave they're like going back and forth with each other and it's, mm -hmm. it, the conversation continues because it really incites like it's like a visceral experience for the audience and that's exciting to me welcome to crunch time All right, so we're going to finish up with our speed round going back to the Dallas Cowboys. And what you have to do in this round is it's five questions. Just give me the first thing okay. that comes to your mind as soon as something pops in your brain. Okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Your most prized Cowboys memorabilia. Uh, oh, wow. That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if I have it yet. Can oh. I answer like that? Can you put a request out? What do you want? If you if you had Jerry right now, that was going to give you I want anything. The, I want the next chip. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want a ring from that too? On top of that, I'll add that for you. I don't even need a ring. I just want the chip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can spike the ball in the face of one Cowboys rival player. Who is it? Well, this is going to sound weird, but in all respect to To, but I would spike it in his face, even though he was on the Cowboys. Ooh. But as a fan, when he was on the Cowboys, it was a whole thing going on. But okay. I respect you. <laughs> Pick your quarterback, Troy Aikman, Tony Romo, or Dak Prescott. I got to go with uh, Aikman. Okay. He was just a stud. Um, this guy used to get knocked in his head like you wouldn't believe. We, you know, we won three trips, you know, and the triplets and the whole thing. But when you look back at his career, they used to bang this dude upside the head like it wasn't nothing. He would just get up wobbly and just come back in the game. And, you know, Romo had some of that in him, too. And Dak is on his way. You know, I'm really, really excited to see what Dak is going to do because he's got all he's got all the tools. It's just he needs to be in the right system, surrounded by the right people. Well, that's a wonderful way to finish this, looking to the future. Unfortunately, we got to wrap but it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully you'll come back and visit us on Huge Fan because I heard you're also a Lakers fan, which is doubly confusing. You're like Lakers, Cowboys. Yeah. You're all over the place. Um, well, I was, a, I was a Kobe fan. God okay. bless. Okay. But I was, I was a Kobe fan, you know, and, and I, I had the opportunity to meet Kobe right before he got drafted because uh, I did a charity game at his high school. Okay. And I was like, this kid got something different. And we were having these talks. And he he was back then like, yo, I'm about to come smash it. Like, watch. 
Like, you know who I am? And, I, and he was talking like that back then. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I like this kid's energy, you know? And then, and we, you know, we would see each other through the years and as he was progressing. And I just was so proud and, and happy for him. So when, you know, he went to the Lakers, I'm like, Lakers fan. Well, all res- all respect to the late Kobe Bryant, and that I think is understandable for all of us who are huge fans of the Lakers because of him or just Kobe Bryant fans. But, yes, we will definitely have you back. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and your sentiments on the WNBA. Thank that you. really meant a lot, and um, good luck with the new film. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You can find Huge Fan on Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and share so other Huge Fans can find us. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. That'll do it for this round of Huge Fan, the podcast where stars talk sports. I'm LaChina Robinson. Until next time, keep rooting your guts out. Go Budos Band!